CCC, what's going on today? You will notice that I have a Santa hat on. Nice. And you have... All kinds of tacky going on right here. A sweater here. with Darth Vader with the Santa hat on. Yes. That's meta. So meta of you. It's crazy. It's the, it's, it's the most wonderful time of the year, as some would say. The Christmas season. We had Thanksgiving. We'll talk about that in a second. But it's the Christmas season. November 28th, we're really excited to be here with you today. I'm Elijah. I'm Ellis. And you picked a great day to be in church as we finish up our Living with Margin series today. It's going to be sweet. It's a really short series, only three weeks, but highly practical. We got to do some celebrating last week, which if you missed that, you'll want to check it out on our website. But today, we're going to, we're almost going to continue the conversation we started two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, of course, if you missed that one, you should also go to the website. But do that after the service, you know, just... Let's hang out for a little bit here. For sure. For sure. So, I will die on the hill that people get too caught up in all the ballyhoo of Christmas that they plow right over Thanksgiving. Okay? I will die on that hill. But Thanksgiving's over. It is now. Now it is is the most wonderful time of the year. You're right. It is. It is. But I did say we would go back to Thanksgiving. So, we talked about our favorite food, Thanksgiving food, last week. What is one food, though, that you, like you will just avoid at all costs. Like, if you see it on the table, you will absquatulate the mess out of that. Mm. You run away. Like, what is what is one food you would do that for? Cranberry sauce. Mm. Easy. I'm with you this on one's that. This easy. I'm with you on that. We disagree about stuffing, but we agree. Yes. About cran- we find middle ground. Particularly of the gelatinous variety. I'm like, no, yeah. no. Yeah. No, it's not for yeah, me. Any, Slide that to the other end any, of the table. Well, I'll yeah, like anytime that. somebody pulls out, like, the yams. Mm. I, I like... So I know sweet potatoes and yams are the same thing, but when they're called yams, something about it just changes it in my mind. Like it's they don't they're not sweet potatoes anymore. They're yams and I can't do it. It's just a mental it's a mental thing. I don't know. I don't know what it is. You go marshmallows on your sweet potatoes? Nah. No? They're already sweet. What? They're already sweet. Oh my god. If there goodness. is like a little right. extra sugar in there, that's fine. But I, it's weird like having it next to like the turkey and I don't know. Looks like we're back know. to square one. We found some common ground with cranberry did. sauce. Well, now, you ruined it. I mean, sorry. You, you know, asked the question. Sorry. I, I was just standing here. <sighs> a shame. That's all right. We'll debate it again next year yes. when Thanksgiving comes around. But Spoiler alert, it'll be the same. Yeah, okay. yeah I mean, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, next week, though, well, now let's stay with this week because there is something really special. We've been talking about a lot going on today. It's our first ever online child dedication. Mm-hmm. Um, there is going to be more info about that. There's still time to get signed up, like, but you want to do it like, like right now. Right now. Like, right like now. If, so if you have a child and you want to dedicate them to to pursue a life uh, dedicated to Christ and pretty much call on the body believers, the church, our church, to help you do that and invest in your children as well, this event's for you. It's really simple. It's quite short. And this is the first ever one, as we mentioned. So it's going to be really cool. You'll want to do that. More information in the chat for you, uh, either over there or down here. And, uh, yeah, you can get signed up for that. It's going to be awesome. Open in a new tab. Go do that. Come back. Mm-hmm. And then come back later. There you yeah. go. Yeah, it'll be perfect. It'll yes. be perfect. But now, next week. Next week. We start our Christmas series. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> Christmas series. It's called Stable. You good? Yeah, I'm, right. I'm trying to okay. flick my thing cool. for dramatic effect. Yeah. But it didn't stay, but this time it did. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's called Stable, and it's kind of a play on words. Ah. Because it's like stable, like Jesus in this in the stable. Yeah. But it's like stable, like in, in a world that's kind of unstable and full of chaos. What can we cling to 
to help us remain stable. And what are, it's actually maybe a triple entendre because it's also about what are the foundations of what we believe about Christmas and what actually went down. What is the, what is the stable that Christmas rests upon? So much, so much wordplay. The nuance. Yeah. Mind blown. Right. Oh my gosh. I know people are like, (laughs) what do I do? But you'll get there. Yes. You'll get there. I'm, I'm still not there, but you'll get there. <laughs> we're we're going to get through it. It's going to be awesome, though. Really excited about this Christmas season. Hey, next Sunday also, Tacky Sweater Sunday. Don't let me be on an island. We want to see your tacky sweaters. Mm-hmm. Put on your tacky sweater. Take a picture. Send it to us. We want to see it. Post it in the Facebook group. Whatever you got to do. Yeah, we know we, you got them. We haven't talked to Michael about this at all, but whoever submits the tackiest sweater might win something. Ah, you know, we'll Michael might Michael might learn this at the same time you do, but you know what? He left us here unattended, so yeah, you know that's what he gets. He's got a week. He'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that'll be awesome. So <laughs> submit your tacky sweater photos. You're at home wherever you are at the beach. Some of y'all go to the beach in December. I I know about you, but <laughs> but you do that. But you're saving money, so I appreciate that. There you go. Uh, but wherever you are, send the sweater. Who knows? You might win something. Mm. Now Michael's kind of locked in, so yeah. hold him to it. We don't know what it is, but yeah. it might be something. As if he said it. Tell him like he said it. Yes. You, you, We got your back. I heard a personal guarantee from you, Michael, <laughs> yeah. that I would yeah. win something uh-huh. if I sent an attack yeah. sweater picture. So here it is. <laughs> yeah. I love it. But we're out of time. So yeah. we're going to get into the service. We're going to pray for you real quick. I'm going to do that. And then we're going to worship together. Let's do it. God, thank you for today. Thank you for a season of being thankful. God, we always remember the things that we have around us, whether they're big or small, a lot or a little, God, that we have something to be thankful for. If nothing else, it's that you came. You came to be with us, to forgive us, to bring us back to you and to give us peace, God. That is enough for us to be thankful. Would we be reminded of that today as we continue to learn and to grow together? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Let's live with some margin. All right, let's do it. At PCC, we take Jesus seriously. When he said, love God with all your heart, we think he actually meant it. So, we do. about God from passionate teachers. We make worship and studying the Bible a daily part of our lives. We wrestle with Scripture together and on our own. And we go wherever He leads us to help others do the same thing. Jesus also said, love your neighbor as yourself. And we think He meant that too. So we spend time together because we think relationships matter. We offer help when it's needed. We live generously. We give sacrificially. And we welcome everybody. We take Jesus seriously, but not ourselves. We're the least likely people with the most amazing God and a passionate vision to love God 
and to love others. To reach people who don't go to church so that we can all know God, discover purpose, get real, make a difference, and be the change. And we are so glad you are here today. Welcome to church. We are so excited that you decided to join us today. Let's sing and celebrate together. to the way I was Oh, I'm gonna live like my chains are gone
but sometimes we need a way to reach out towards God for help because life can be overwhelming. Maybe it's been that way for you this week. Psalm 18 in the Bible begins like this. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. If you feel like you need refuge today, if you need God to be your rock, we want to give you time to acknowledge that right now. Let's take a moment of quiet and turn our hearts towards our Father who wants to help you, who sees you, who offers you mercy right now.
Christmas to you. I'm Elijah Shirelli. And I'm Ellis Hobson. And it's time to release some Christmas magic. Indeed, Elijah. I can feel the tangle of the jingle. I'm not going to lie to you, Ellis. That sentence is problematic in a lot of ways, and I don't agree with it. Yeah, instant regret. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Anyway, we're here to make sure that you and your Christmas crew know what to do around Passion Community Church this holiday season. That's right, Elijah. We kick off next weekend with our campus Christmas events. There's a little bit of everything from Powhatan's Holly Jolly Jamboree, a Merry Midlothian Christmas, and Aitlet's Family Jingle and Jam, to Riverside's Cookies and Crafts with Santa, and Farmville's Night of Peace. Mm, I can smell the fire pits and warm cookies right now. Mm. And speaking of peace, peace during the Christmas season is a must. And on that note, we kick our Christmas series stable off next Sunday, December 5th. We do indeed. You know, the world is still a bit confusing. It is. I'm guessing that makes every one of us ask or wonder, is there anything Christmas can offer us that is unaffected by all the chaos? Uh, besides fire pits and warm cookies? Yeah, exactly, Ellis. I have a good answer for you. I'm, I'm so glad. The answer to that question is yes. I thought you might say that. Come every Sunday in December for our stable series and you can find out why the answer is yes. I'll, I'll be there except for on December 26th. Yeah, me too. Because newsflash, 
Church will be online only on December 26th, so snuggle up with your loved ones, sip some hot cocoa, and sign in for church online at pccwiredlive.net. <clears throat> the holidays are so full of joy for so many, but if Christmas is hard for you, we have a blue Christmas service designed especially for you. That's right, Ellis, and that's Thursday, December 16th, both in person at our Powhatan campus and online at pccwiredlive.net. There's, there's childcare available for that service, so visit pccwired.net to sign up for that and, and more info. Last but not least, Ellis, tell them what's left. Ellis, tell them what's left. To what's <laughs> left, Ellis? It's Christmas Eve, yes. It's one of our favorite services of the year, and we're going to be doing it six times this year. Wow. That's a lot. It is. So, let's lay it out. Amanda, tell them what we have. Amanda? That's right, Elijah. We have two early bird services on Tuesday, December 21st at 6 and 7.30. And then we have a lineup of four Christmas Eve services on Friday, December 24th. That's right, Elijah. Four Christmas Eve services. One, three, five, and seven. Don't miss Tacky Sweater Sunday, our kids and student Christmas events, and even our Parents' Day Out events. Parents, this is where you get a break. Something I could really use right now. There's something for everyone this Christmas at PCC. We'll see you next time. I'm out. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. That, that was different. It, yes, it was a little weird. That, that got mega awkward at the end. <laughs> and I've got to say, I'm, I would have reacted just like Ellis there. Yeah, that but was. It was exciting. It was, it was, <laughs> it was, it was something. It, it was, was something. Sometimes that's all you can say is that was something. Mm -hmm. But it was exciting. There were lots of exciting things, especially for us out at the ALIT campus. I'm Sandra Moore, and I'm the co-pastor and the worship leader at PCC ALIT. And if you heard Pastor Brian's message last week, you might remember that he said he didn't even know where ALIT was, but for over a year, now we've been part of the PCC family, and God is on the move in ALIT. And I spent some time with the good people in Aylet, and I agree, God is moving, and we love to see it. And can we take a moment and give a shout out to someone very special to both of us? It is my Grammy out in the plains of Southern Illinois. Hey, Grammy. Hey, Grammy. <laughs> so glad that she's here. <laughs> yes, we love Grammy, and Grammy watches each week at pccwired.net. And you know what else you can find there? You can find all the details about all the Christmas events at ALID and everywhere else by going to pccwired.net. And we do want to highlight one event that you can be a part of online, and that is Blue Christmas. Blue Christmas is a service that's going to be on December 16th, and a lot of folks struggle during the holiday season. And if you are grieving a loss of any kind. This is a service designed for you. And it's a great way to connect with others who might need something beyond a joyful Christmas service this year. So invite friends to watch online. And if we can help you with more information or if you have any questions or need prayer, we have a welcome card. And there's a link in the chat or you can get to that through pccwired.net. 
And one more thing we want to do today is say a big thank you for your faithful giving. Last week, Pastor Brian highlighted the amazing things that God has done in our lives and through our ministries over the past two years of the Moore Initiative. And especially during the holidays, that generosity gives us margin here at PCC to help people in significant ways. Because Jesus told us to love God and love our neighbors, we always have an open door to help folks in their time of need. And it happens frequently. People call or come by the church because they find themselves in difficult circumstances. Because you give of your own financial resources, we often have the margin to help folks get the food or shelter they need, to get into recovery, or to get the heat turned back on in their house. That is so important, especially during the winter months. And we're grateful that together we're able to make a difference in the lives of people who need help. So we'd like to take a moment to pray and thank God for all that he does to help us live out his mission. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for the amazing ways that you are moving in and through our PCC community. We pray, God, that you would continue to use us, Lord, that you would continue to open our eyes to those who need to know you, who just need some love this Christmas season. We are grateful, God, that you include us in all that you do. We pray that you will continue to use us, Lord, to reach people who need to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Sandra. So we're wrapping up the Living With Margin series, and it just so happens that one of our new original songs talks about a peace that sets us free, living with the satisfaction that only God can provide. Let's take a listen. Throughout my life, I've been tempted and tried to find Something that quiets my heart But no matter where I run I find that the only one Who quiets this heart is you Reveal to me What I've known all along In this love so Amazing, I've never known something so sweet in this peace overtaking. I finally know that I am set free. You satisfy me with hands that made day and night, darkness and brightest light. Ended this hole inside me And with those same hands you came to sinners And all the saints freeing us with holes in your hands Oh, this love so amazing I've never known something so sweet My 
doesn't want to be rich? It's a rhetorical question, not really meant for you to answer out loud, because there's surely someone who, thinking the right response is to denounce all wealth, will shout, no, I would never want to be rich. Everybody around that person looks away and shakes their head in disbelief. Most of us will admit it, though. I mean, I will. Given the choice, all other things being equal, I would love to be rich. In fact, I've kind of pretended to be rich a few times. For Valentine's Day in 2013, I did something extravagant, something I'd never done before. I took Susan on a surprise Valentine's Day trip to the Ritz-Carlton in Washington, D.C. I had saved for months. It was something that she was never going to guess because we just don't blow money like that. I mean, for us, a normal upgrade would mean staying at the Holiday Inn. Woo-hoo! So two nights in an extremely lavish five-star hotel, the Ritz-Carlton, mind-blowing. We stayed club level, something else I'd never done before. There was food out all night long in the common area. And I don't mean hot dogs and soggy fruit and stale Ritz crackers. I'm talking about fresh shrimp, filet mignon kebabs, crab cakes, cheese that wasn't individually wrapped, and, and a chocolate fountain. 
And so for 48 hours, we pretended to be rich people in the club. We were imposters rubbing shoulders with really wealthy folk in their designer clothes and me in my Walmart sweatpants and t-shirt. And when we got to the towering structure, when we first pulled in, I, I pulled up to the valet parking and I was in my old and well-worn Honda. I parked next to somebody's Bentley. I threw the keys at the valet as if I did this every weekend. They opened the doors for us and left mints on our pillow and carried our bags up to the top floor. They called me Dr. Hughes, and so I tipped every bellhop, not one dollar, but two. But that weekend came to an end, and we returned to the reality of our modest life. Still, I mean, every once in a while, I daydream about what it would be like to be rich. I'm not the only one, am I? I mean... Apparently, this is not a new fantasy. In fact, the Apostle Paul knew that even followers of Jesus weren't immune to the appeal of a lavish lifestyle. And he actually wrote for us a formula for how to get rich. I mean, all this time we've been playing the lottery or trying to figure out the stock market or reading the latest Get Rich Quick book. But the answer to our secret longing has been in the pages of the Bible all along. So I came today to relay it to you. I'm going to give it to you straight from the Apostle Paul's letter to his protege Timothy. In Paul's own words, this is what he says. Are you ready? Here it is. Serving God makes us very rich if we are satisfied with what we have. Serving God makes us very rich if... We are satisfied with what we have. He goes on to say, we brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothes, we'll be satisfied with that. Those who want to become rich bring temptation to themselves and are caught in a trap. They want many foolish and harmful things that ruin and destroy people. The love of money causes all kinds of evil. Some people have left the faith because they wanted to get more money but they've caused themselves much sorrow. Serving God makes us rich if we're satisfied with what we have. Serving God makes us rich if we're satisfied with what we have. Not really the answer we were looking for, but probably the answer we need. Because in our quest for more, we find that we never really reach the elusive enough. And that's why Paul goes out of his way to talk about what he calls the ruinous trap that lead many faithful people to leave faith altogether. Epicurus, the great Greek philosopher, he said, to whom little is not enough, nothing is enough. He said, give me a barley cake and a glass of water, and I am ready to rival Zeus for happiness. Someone one time asked Epicurus for the secret to happiness, and his answer went like this. He said, add not to a man's possessions, but take away from his desires. So if you were here two weeks ago, we began this conversation because the Bible speaks a lot about money. Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven and hell combined. The Bible has 2,000 verses about money because God understands the power of money in our lives. So we talked two weeks ago about, we use this tank as an illustration, and we talked about margin and how 
when you operate above the line, when you don't spend as much as you bring in, when your income exceeds your outflow, even by a little, you begin to build margin in the tank. And so we're adding slowly to it and we're building margin. But many of us, myself included, have at some point in our history not heeded Paul's warnings about the pursuit of riches and the dangers that it involves. And and so you might think, well, Brian, this is really not my problem. You might say, you're wrong about me, Brian. I don't care anything about money. But that's the really brilliant thing about this trap. It's a covert conspiracy. Because we all recognize if the problem is that we've got this excessive amount above the line. Some people don't live close to the line. Like they got plenty of stuff in the tank. They got extra tanks because, you know, they've gone way overflowing with their margin. They got more tanks holding more money until money isn't a tool that accents life, but a torment that tears them apart. If that's somebody's problem, it's kind of easy to recognize. No, the genius of this trap that Paul talks about is that it isn't on the surface about money, but about the things that money can buy. For example, who here today has one of these? If you raised your hand, no disrespect to you, but I seriously doubt that you actually have one of these. This is an iPhone, period. Not an iPhone X or a 13 or an 8. This is the original one. The one without any letters or numbers or symbols behind it. 14 years ago, in 2007, Steve Jobs unleashed the most powerful mobile device using what at the time was revolutionary touchscreen technology and a highly intuitive interaction This phone, by the way, was four gigabytes. You can get a terabyte today. Oh, and the camera was two megapixels. The iPhone helped make Apple the single most valuable company in the world, and it remains near the top of that list, but it really wasn't the iPhone 1 that made Apple so much money. See, the brilliance of Apple's plan is that a decade and a half later, The iPhone has been replaced not once or twice or six times, but it it has had 32 different iterations. Every year, newer and better and improved models come out, better memory, more memory, a better camera or more than one camera, better video, better software, better sound, and we just can't help ourselves. And that includes me. Every two years, the contract is up and a new deal is offered and a trade is made. Actually, if I'm being honest, I make myself wait an extra year now. It just makes me feel better. But as soon as the new one comes out, if I'm telling the truth, all us iPhone people, we're drooling. We want it because it's better and because we look around and everybody else has one. Now, there's, there's nothing really sinful about that. Don't throw your iPhone out your car window on the way home from church today and blame it on me. It's okay. I'm keeping mine. The problem really isn't one upgrade or just an iPhone upgrade. The problem is that we do this with practically everything in our lives. 
technology, you know, Alexa or Google Home or Apple Watch, because we weren't already close enough to it with it sitting in our back pocket. Now we have to have it screaming at us from our, from our wrists. But, but you know, we need to know our heart rate in real time, I guess. Your Xbox, your PlayStation, Bluetooth speakers that we can hang in the shower because Lord knows how awful it is to listen to music while your phone plays it from the bathroom sink. And, and we have TVs that keep getting bigger. Now we have to have Sony 70-plus-inch curved ultra 4K high def so Chris Hemsworth and Dwayne Johnson are literally larger than life in our living room. We can see the ripples from their abs from right in front of us. We have cars that drive themselves and parallel park themselves and tell you where to go, require no gas, collect to your, uh, connect to your Apple Watch. They literally do whatever we tell them to do. And we do this with everything in our lives. We upgrade and upscale and upsize all the time. And I find myself asking this critical question, when am I ever content with what I already have right now? Is there ever a moment when we're not thinking about the next thing that we want but don't yet have? This is a struggle for me too. And I think about Paul's words that serving God makes us very rich if we're satisfied with what we have. Oh, that's easy to say. It's much harder to live. What Paul is saying, though, is that we, you and me, we win when we pursue God with an attitude of contentment. That, that you actually, Paul's saying you actually get more life like that. So I would argue that given that the Bible talks so much about money and Jesus said so much about money, I would argue that, that contentment is really the first critical tool that we need if we're going to put money in its proper place in our lives, if we're going to make it a tool that enhances life rather than a torment that afflicts us. And as hard as it is, contentment really is in your control. So, all due respect, stop saying you can't be content, that is. Shift your words and start saying, I want, I would really like to have, instead of, I have to have it or I need it. Retrain your soul to be satisfied with the incredible blessing that God has already entrusted to you, placed in your life. Because after all, truthfully, you're already rich. You don't have to have one more thing to actually be content. And we're lying to ourselves when we say that if we could just have that, it would be enough. We know it's not true. We know that's not true. So could we just debunk that lie now? And, and so let's say that you commit right now in this moment to shift your thinking. I know I'm not the only one who needs a little course correction from time to time in the way that I think about money. And so I'm going to assume that somebody here today is thinking, yes, this is what I need, and I'm going to be content, and I've got enough, and I'm rich already. I've made up my mind right now. If that's you, praise the Lord. Seriously, I, I'm glad for you. It's, it's, it's a, an important place that you needed to come to. We all need to come to that. But then many people, they have this revelation about their richness, and they come face-to-face -face with another horrifying reality. 
that they've already dug a hole that they don't know how to get out of. See, while two weeks ago we talked about margin, that is the accumulation in the tank of resources above the red line, the red line being we spend exactly what we bring in and we have nothing in the tank, the truth is that many of us have already outspent our resources and we are now below the line. And anything below this line represents debt. That is, if you're below the line, it means that you have spent at some point in time more than you had, and the only, the only way you can do that is to borrow. And many of us have spent months and years going further and further and further below the red line. We've been spending a lot more than we made, and so the debt grew larger and larger. And the Bible gives us a real picture of what this is like. Check this out from Proverbs 22. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. I find this fascinating. In this proverb, the word rich is singular. The word poor is plural. And it's kind of telling because there really are far more people who are in bondage because of debt then there are people who are free from it. Far more borrowers who voluntarily give up certain freedom to become slaves to their lenders. Being in debt, it's not really a new thing. I mean, Solomon wrote this proverb thousands of years ago. And what that indicates is that being in debt, being a slave to the, the debtor, uh, to the lender, it was happening then. But it's only really become an epidemic in the past half a century or so. 64 years ago, there was no such thing as a credit card that would be widely accepted at most retailers. But in 1958, Bank of America launched with the Bank AmeriCard, and it became the first successfully recognized uh, modern credit card. It would later become known as Visa. Eight years later, in 1966, the ancestor of MasterCard was born to compete with the Bank AmeriCard, and the rest, as they say, is history. Except the history isn't pretty. Today, the average balance for households that have a credit card is over $6,000 in credit card debt. Student loan, stands, student loan debt stands at $37,000 per student, and get this, student loan debt grows by $2,800 every second adding to the $1.4 trillion we already owe for our education. Overall, the average American is $47,000 in debt. So even if we learn to be content, even if we start right now, we, we get our, our budget balanced and we don't spend any more than we make, so we're not getting any deeper in debt, we still have a problem because the borrower is still slave to the lender. And if we make the minimum payments on our debt, most of us won't climb out of debt for 30 to 40 years. In 40 years, many of us won't be here, myself included. So what do we do about this? I, mean, I don't want to be a slave to the lender. How do I create margin if I'm already below the line, already drowning in debt? Well, you can. You really can. There is a way. And I'm going to show it to you. I learned this several years ago when our church was first introduced to Dave Ramsey. He teaches a tool that changed my life, and it will change yours too. Now, 
Before I get into this, I just need to tell you, this is going to get a little technical. And there's some numbers involved, but please don't check out. Because the borrower is slave to the lender, and you can be emancipated. You can be freed from the bondage. And so this technique that Dave Ramsey teaches is called debt snowballing. And it's a, again, it's a little complex. Just stay with me. I'll make it as simple as I can. And it goes like this. So the first thing you're going to want to do is you take your debts and you're going to list them in order, starting with the smallest debt and going to the biggest. So first thing we have is you've got three, these three columns. You've got who you owe, the total that you owe to that per, uh, uh, bank or credit or whatever, and the minimum payment that you have to make. And you're going to list them out. And here, this is really important for all you finance types. And, and I, you know, I was a finance major, so this bothers me to not list them necessarily in order of interest rate. It would sound like the smart thing to do is pay off the highest interest rate stuff first. But what Dave Ramsey teaches, in my opinion, is brilliant. He says, you start with the, the, the least amount that you owe. You start right here. So this is the list. Let's just assume this is a hypothetical list because, you know, you went shopping at Old Navy. You did some Christmas stuff here, and you had to have a new lawnmower. So in, instead of buying a push mower, you, you went ahead and borrowed and bought a riding mower. And who knows what you got for this visa. That's long, again, that's long ago you spent that money, and you have no idea what you got for that. Same thing with the Discover. You bought a car that's now a couple of years old, and you've got student loan debt. So now we're going to start with the first one. We got Old Navy, 620 bucks. The minimum payment is $50. And here's the first part. This is really important. You got to find some money somewhere that you, can, that you can allocate in addition to your minimum payments. And I'm going to assume that you can come up with 200 bucks. Maybe for you it's 100 bucks. Maybe it's more than that. But whatever it is, you got to come up with an extra payment and that, that you're going to make every month. How do you do that? I don't know. You get a side hustle and do some extra work for somebody or a second part-time job, or maybe you cut back on expenses. You cut off the satellite TV and a bunch of subscriptions and you, you, whatever you have to do. Dave Ramsey says, you sell stuff. Sell stuff. He says, sell, sell stuff till the kids think they're next. You just keep selling. So in my illustration, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to assume we've been able to come up with an extra $200 somewhere. All right, so now instead of making a $50 payment, I'm going to make a $250 payment. I'm going to take the $50 minimum, I'm going to add $200 to it, and I'm going to pay, I'm going to pay $250 every month on Old Navy. In addition to the minimum payments I'm paying on the rest of this. I'm going to keep paying those minimums, $200 extra plus the $50 bucks on Old Navy. Guess how, many, it, guess how long it takes me to pay this off? Three months. I pay off Old Navy in three months. Now I'm going to take that $250 and I'm going to snowball it. So the debt's paid off. Now I got lows. Again, I've been making the $60 minimum payment, but I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to do this $250. I'm going to take that $250. I'm going to add it to the $60. Now I'm going to pay $310 to lows every month. In six months, I have now paid off both of these debts. In six months. Now I'm going to focus my attention on this visa, which I owed $1,500 to. Minimum payment was $70, but I'm going to add $310 to it. Now I'm paying $380. Can you see how this is working? I was paying $70. Now I'm paying $380 a month on this, and we'll just keep accumulating the payment. The payment just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm celebrating at the end of each one of these. It might be a small celebration, but I'm going to, we're going to do something to claim victory. Every time we pay off a debt, we're going to celebrate. Make it a competition. It's real, it can be fun. It's hard at first, then it can be fun. So I'm going to pay off this in nine months. In nine months, the visa is gone. Now I'm focusing on Discover. I owe $2,600 to that. I take my $50 minimum. I add it to the $380. Now I'm paying 430 
And in 15 months, Discover's gone. Discover is gone. All right, now I'm going to focus on my car. I'm going to, I've already got a $250 payment. I add the $430. I get to $680. The car is paid off in 19 months. It's gone. And now I'm at the student loans, and I'm going to add my $110 to the $680. The total payment is $790. And get this, at a total of 27 months, this is the exciting part. If you've checked out because numbers make you want to throw up, come back. In, in 27 months, I have paid off all of my debt. All this debt's gone in 27 months. Now, here's the, here's the important part. If you just stick with the minimum payments, it will take you seven and a half years to pay off this debt. And th this, is the really, this is the really cool part for me. In seven and a half years, you've paid off this debt, but your car is now worn out, and I need another car. My lawnmower is long since broke. I need another lawnmower. Christmas came around two more times. In seven and a half years, if I make the minimum payment, I've got nothing. I'm just debt free, but I got to do it all over again. I haven't been able to build any margin. Seven and a half years. But when I did the debt snowball, if I do the debt snowball, I actually pay this whole, uh, this whole thing off in 27 months not seven and a half years. And if I take that minimum, if I take the payments I was making, the snowball payments, and if I keep going and I carry it all the way out to seven and a half years, I pay off the debt in 27 months. And at the end of seven and a half years, I have $55,000 in the bank. Now, which do you think is better? I can finish seven and a half years making minimum payments. I have nothing to show for it, and I have to replace my car, et cetera, et cetera, or I can finish seven and a half years with $55,000 in the bank. That's the beauty of the snowball. You do not have to be a slave to your lender. You do not have to behave like you're poor, letting the rich rule over you. You are already rich. You can do this. You can pay off your debt. You really can. And some of us have actually done it. We've actually dug our way out of slavery. No longer are we in bondage to our lenders. I lived like that for a long time. I'm not going back to that. There are ordinary folks like you and me have found our way to freedom. The writer of the book of Hebrews says it like this. He says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, though, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. So I'm not suggesting to you that getting out of debt is easy or that it's pain-free. But how much more pain exists when you are enslaved to the lender into perpetuity? You can do this. You need to shift the paradigm and be content. Develop a real and balanced budget so that you live within your means and stay with it. And you need to snowball your debt. And, and I know this might seem overwhelming. And some might be thinking, you know, this sounds good, Brian, but you just don't understand my situation. This is just not possible. If that's you, I wanted to finish today by introducing you to my friends, Kim and Chris Creedy. Take a look. You know, I was definitely tired of being in debt and all of our money going to our creditors. It was a real burden for us. So when you start putting everything down on paper, you really get to see how big of a hole you're in. And for us, we had $85,500 worth of debt outside of our mortgage. It was anywhere from student loans to, to Lowe's, to Home Depot, uh, to car debt, to truck debt. Um, if it was out there, we owed them money. 
they started talking about Financial Peace University at church and I couldn't go to the meeting. So I asked Chris to go. I send him to all the things that I can't go to. Like he's been to care team meetings and taking meals to people when I can't go. Yeah, and I'm known as Kim's husband, not, not Chris. They don't know who I am, but it's okay. So yeah, I went to the, to the, um, to the church-wide meeting. And at that point it was like, all right, we got to do this. We got to see it all the way through. It was difficult at the time because we had a cut in my hours at my previous job. So we were not making as much income, but I took some additional hours at another job and we just did what we could to make extra money and put that money towards the next debt and we just kept going. I can throw fits with the best of them and if I want something we make this money we deserve it you just have to fight through that when you first get started there's it's hard it's very very hard I would say a year yeah, maybe a little bit less than a year in which it was really hard then something clicks from that point forward we didn't care what anybody else was doing we were gonna tackle this debt and be done with it we started with our smallest debt and we paid that off first and then we rolled that amount into the next debt and we just continued on until we paid off all of our debts. It, it was a day that I'll never forget. Um, it's it, it really is freedom. I definitely feel that God has absolutely entrusted us with even more money now. I mean, we're making almost twice as much as we made when we started. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, handling his money for him uh, better We've helped two children in Tanzania go to school for a year, and we have a sponsor child in Zambia, Africa. So we can use our freedom to help others that are in greater need. People say, well, I'll always have a car loan, or I can't get out of the student loan debt. If you make that decision, and you say, I'm committed, and I'm gonna do this, and no matter what it takes, I'm gonna get out of debt, then you can do it. There's a thousand different excuses you can make. You could have half the debt we had, it could take you twice as long to pay it off. You're still going to get the same freedom that we have. So if you want to keep making excuses, that's fine. But you can do it. It all starts with making a decision, making a commitment. Just get started, believe in it, and it'll work. I'm encouraging you to resist the temptation and don't go into debt this Christmas. If you're interested in the program that uh, Kim and Chris went through, you can check that out at fpu.com. It's a game changer. It was for me. It will be for you too. And, and listen, so if you're wondering, well, how can we enjoy this Christmas season? Right now, you can take advantage of all kinds of free stuff happening at your campus over the next couple of weekends. Most campuses have free events coming up next weekend. All of it is available to you and to your family you can check that out at pccwire.net or on our app. Whatever it takes, we can do this together. So let me encourage you not to, not to try to, to dig out of debt in isolation. The most powerful tool we have is not just the debt snowball, but doing it in the context of community. So get around some people. Let's get over ourselves that we don't like to talk about our personal finances. And let's get some people around us that will encourage us, hold us accountable, and think about where we can be this time next year. Because the borrower is slave to the lender. But that doesn't have to be me, and it doesn't have to be you. 
we can be rich if we will be content with what we have and pursue God in the process. May that be true for you and me this Christmas. We'll see you next week. I've been tempted and tried to find something that quiets my heart. But no matter where I run, I find that the only one who quiets this heart is you. so sweet this peace overtaking I finally know that I am set free you satisfy me with hands that made day and night the darkness and brightest light
Healing through the 